Hello and welcome to my latest podcast. Today's podcast is in the first of a series about campaigners who are often ordinary people doing remarkable things for their communities. Today, I'm joined by Adam Gleeser from Australia, who was nominated by News Corp in their 2021 Thanks a Million campaign for his work as a consumer advocate. Now, Adam has a strong history of working in customer service and describes one of his pet hates as big corporates taking advantage of the little guy. His consumer advocacy began when, during the 2020 COVID-19 outbreak, he and his wife suffered with a bad experience with their travel agent. Instinctively, he believed that his experience would also be replicated amongst his fellow Australians. He created a number of Facebook groups, which in turn created a community of consumers, so that each could learn from each other's experiences and receive guidance with those problems and the problems of refunds. To that end, Adam has assisted many consumers individually to secure refunds from their travel companies. Now, whilst the practical was Adam's initial primary goal, his primary goal now is found in his advocacy on the poor level of consumer protections available to Australian consumers, bringing the scope of what is needed to the attention of federal lawmakers. You can see the very active challenges he is making through his Championing Change page, which can be found on his website, consumerchampion.com.au. Adam, welcome to today's podcast. Thank you, Frank. So, Adam, for the benefits of uh, our listeners today, um, could you just tell me a little bit about the problems that Australian uh, travel consumers experienced during 2020? Yeah, absolutely. Look, Frank, during, uh, unfortunately, in situations such as the pandemic, when it's outside of the consumer's control, a number of consumer guarantees do not exist. And as a result, there have been tens of thousands, if not well, hundreds of thousands of Australians who have been trying to battle to get refunds from travel companies and travel agencies, uh, whether it be for flights, for package travel, whatever the case may be. And it's mm. uh, it's just been met with uh, being told that all that they're going to be getting is a credit and they will, they're not entitled to a refund. It's right. as simple mm. as that. And uh, this has been going on since uh, March, March, April of last year mm. and uh, is continuing to do so and will continue to do so until we get legislative reform in place. Wow. I mean, that, that sounds almost identical to the kind of situation that many uh, UK consumers have experienced. Indeed, Irish consumers, I can see uh, from where I sit, uh, that there's been similar problems and indeed uh, right the way across Europe. Um, I just want to ask you, I'm, I'm curious, uh, did you imagine at the start of this crisis or indeed before that you'd be doing anything like this, you know, sort of speaking up for consumers? Well, I've been on and off. Look, I've been doing it 
for friends of mine, for friends and family that have been having issues okay. uh, probably for about 20 years now. However, did I expect that I would be doing it in this capacity for uh, uh, for this length of time with this level of intensity? Absolutely not. <laughs> However, my I just keep being, I'm just driven by the fact that consumer law here in situations like this is so weak and it just has got to be changed. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Uh, and, and, and I absolutely understand that. And uh, as, as you say, it's one thing to do it for friends and family, but then to suddenly find yourself thrust into a wider cohort of consumers, people you've never even met, is... Is not mm. an easy task, really, to begin with. Um, I, I mean, what what what's been the most difficult thing about your work uh, since you started this in twenty twenty? Uh, naturally, helping customers get refunds hasn't always been um, hasn't always been a bed of roses in terms of dealing with the travel companies. However, I'd say seeing the pain and anguish with the customers has. Uh, I mean, I've been dealing with uh, uh, people that are either a lot of elderly people. I've been dealing with a lot of people that have got terminal illnesses. Uh, I've even dealt with a suicide, uh, some suicidal people, like genuinely suicidal. And these are the things that I – it just makes me think, how can these companies actually put these people through this? It's yeah. um, and I'd say that is probably the most difficult thing that I've actually encountered is actually uh, just seeing how badly it actually does affect some people. Yes, yeah. I mean, I, it, it, you know, it, it's striking a chord with me. You know, listening to you because I can think over the years dealing with travel consumers, and the one thing that uh, has struck me over the years is. The, the, the word consumer kind of implies that we're all on the same level, that we're all equally gifted or talented to understand how to do something, when in fact we're not. The consumer is a strange word in many respects. So I think the the, the more accurate word is, is a citizen or a citizen consumer, uh, because yeah. that encapsulates, if you like, all the vulnerabilities, all the difficulties uh, that people have. And I think... Um, legislators and indeed media commentators actually don't appreciate uh, that, and I'm, I'm pretty sure by the sounds of it, you've you've discovered that for yourself. But um, I was just wondering, um, you know, could you tell me a little bit more about the successes uh, that you've had during this COVID crisis in helping uh, consumers? Yeah, sure. The majority of successes that I've had have resulted in. Uh, Digging deeper into uh, individual circumstances. So, uh, for example, if a customer had booked through a travel agent and uh, was unable to get a refund, what I would be doing is I would be recommending and at times I'd also be going on three-way calls and the like uh, to, um, to the actual airline and actually finding out for ourselves whether or not uh, they were they were actually uh, giving a refund to the travel agent and just really doing uh, my own investigative, uh, investigative work. Um, one that uh, comes to mind is uh, early on I had an uh, elderly lady that was owed approximately $100,000 and um, 
after doing a bit of investigation, we ended up getting oh, about $70,000 back quick smart after wow. she had been battling for months and months on end. That's an achievement. So, yeah, that, that was uh, that was one of them. There's... There's been a lot of there have been a lot of success stories. Um, there's been uh, there have been other ones where I've I've known that just how badly it was affecting them, and I was just willing to d- dig as deep as I possibly could and as possibly as I, as uh, as much as I had to to get their refund, mm-hmm. even for whether it be for three thousand dollars or ten thousand yeah. dollars. Different amounts of money obviously mean different things to different people. Someone that sold three thousand dollars may be affected more uh, in terms of their mental health than somebody that is owed fifty thousand dollars, for example. Indeed, indeed, that's a, that's a very good point. So, I was just wondering as well, you know, what's been the reaction generally from the travel industry towards your efforts? Uh, has it been negative, or has it been positive, or neither here nor there? Oh look, I've uh, there's certainly there's certainly have been mixed reviews. Uh, <laughs> I have I've spoken to a lot of travel agents and as really a, a lot of travel agents over the past uh, over the past eighteen months, and uh, many of them are actually uh, wanting to see change in the industry, mm. and they're mm-hmm. wanting to bring back consumer confidence. And uh, I've also been speaking to some travel agents that uh, are not big fans of what I'm doing. Yes. And uh, yes. so I've definitely had mixed reviews there, Frank, from uh, from different angles. What, what, what I want to see is there are a lot of travel agents, and I can't make this clear enough, there are a lot of travel agents and a lot of travel companies out there that are doing the right thing. What I want to see mm. is every travel agent and every travel company being held to the same standards by introducing the legislation to uh, to help ensure that. Yeah, I I think it's a fair point that you're making there because um, that's the one thing that I have said through the crisis in the last 12 months is that there are a lot of decent, hardworking, honest travel agencies and indeed travel companies who do want to do the right thing by their uh, customers, by their consumers, because uh, they are their bums on seats. If they get it wrong or if they treat them badly, then it's going to affect their bottom line. And uh, unfortunately, um, th- there appears to be some sharper practices from other companies and uh, travel, you know, travel agencies um, who have, uh, in my view, have given them a, a bit of a bad deal, a bit of a bad name. Um, uh, and, of course, we live in a more regulated um, environment than what appears to be you guys live with down in Australia. But um, the media itself, has it has it actually been positively looking at what you're trying to do or, or have they been proactive against uh, travel companies who don't do the right thing by consumers? Some media certainly has. Um, I, I mean, I've uh, I've done a fair bit of media over here uh, with the TV, the papers, and the like, and some radio um, mm-hmm. to uh, to get these issues. Uh, you know, to, uh, my aim is to get to get this out and the issues out to as many people as possible, uh, so that everyone in Australia knows 
the risks associated with booking travel at the moment mm. uh, because the reality of the situation is it comes down to the uh, the company that you're dealing with, to their terms and conditions, and you're effectively bound by that with uh, no real greater protection. Uh, that That's really the main protection that you've got, and I'm trying to make that clear to as many people as possible for the reason that we're living in such uncertain times at the moment where you know, from day to day we don't know about lockdowns. And you, you could book something. I know that there are some companies, for example, I was just dealing with a uh, – I'm actually in the midst of dealing with a company now uh, that they have a – they told the customer that they've got to cancel 30 days out if they, you know, if they want their money back. And the customer rightly said, look, as it stands right now, we really want to go on the holiday. But as you know yourself, Frank, lockdowns uh, yeah. lockdowns can happen, especially well, in Australia, lockdowns can happen with four hours' notice. I mean, you just, you just can't have those kind of policies or you shouldn't be able to have those kind of policies in place during such uncertain times. Yeah. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you because the there, there has been over here some wild um, uh, sort of delivery of terms and conditions, uh, particularly from uh, the stake. You find this within the staycation markets here in the UK. Uh, people who are renting out their holiday homes or cottages or whatever, and introducing some pretty wild clauses which uh, frankly wouldn't stand the test before any course anyway but um but i i, I mean in terms of um uh, consumer protections in australia just just talk me through what exists if indeed anything exists to protect holidaymakers very very little look obviously you've got the unfair contract terms that uh I, look, I mean, they're, they're quite complicated and I don't even have my uh, head around it uh, 100%. Uh, outside of that, it's really the terms and conditions of the uh, of the travel provider. And um, there are more and more travel providers out there that they know, they know that that is the consumer's main protection. And as a result, they've been tightening up the rules even further. Uh, some to make it just about impossible for a customer to ask for a refund. And um, the issue that lies there is, as you'd know, the majority, firstly, to actually read through all the terms and conditions in the small fine print, the vast majority of uh, people don't do it. And secondly, you just about need a PhD to be able to understand, you know, to be able to go through 70 pages and uh, find it on page 67, their, their cancellation terms. It really, it really isn't right. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's clear from what you're telling me that um, Australia, um, Australian citizens don't have um, what we have over here, uh, the package travel regulations, which is quite a comprehensive um, uh, set of regulations. I mean, we, we got those regulations uh, leaving... Uh, our friend Brexit to one side, but uh, we got those regulations as being a member of the European Union. And there are those here in this country who would like to see 
uh, the back end of those regulations, and indeed that may well happen. But uh, it sounds to me like Australians could benefit from a set of regulations like package travel regulations. They they certainly could, and on that, Frank, I actually did um, last, I think it was around last November, I did a media piece where I uh, there was a tour company that uh, they, uh, I got a, a UK case study and naturally an Australian one as well, both booked with the same company, uh, both, uh, both of them fairly similar ages and the like and very similar um, with everything. The only difference was the lady in the UK got a full refund, whereas the lady in Australia got slugged with a $10,000 fee and that comes down to the fact that you have the package travel regulations there and we do not. We've got we have got nothing. Wow, that's that's that is a pretty shocking compare and contrast. I mean, it's it's been bad enough over here. I mean, there's still a large number of holidaymakers who've um, have yet to receive their refunds, uh, or indeed uh, honouring of some of the credit note stories that I've been. Uh, hearing about. I mean, in terms of Australia, whatever about um, an Australian version of uh, the package travel regulations, what what do you see as the principal deficits of what is effectively an unregulated consumer market? Well, I see the main issue being, quite simply, what we need here is, uh, the main issue with with an unregulated market is that a lot of these... uh, a lot of companies can effectively do whatever they like and they're not um, there are no sanctions in place so they can they can uh, make up their own rules effectively and uh, not get punished as a result and uh, that is why quite simply what we've uh, as simple as it might sound frank what we need is we need the right to a refund for consumers when they purchase when they purchase something, for example, a, uh, a holiday, they don't receive it through, to, through no fault of their own, uh, they should be entitled to a refund. It is as simple as that. Mm. And it should, not be, it should not be a punt when you book travel. Uh, if this doesn't go ahead, will I get my money back or will I not? Because unfortunately, as it stands right now over COVID, that is the, exactly the way that it is. Yeah, yeah, it's um, it's it's interesting um, to hear you talk about this. I, I suppose there is, I'm reading between the lines here, but there are probably issues as well about how these companies operate. Effectively, they are using deposits, perhaps, uh, as their cash flow, and obviously they don't want to um, uh, refund uh, those. Uh, uh, deposits, uh, sometimes they're sizable deposits, as we've seen over here, uh, because that means that uh, they're running literally on fresh air. Is that a similar situation over in Australia? It is. And look, one of the things that we are very, um, that, that we are really trying to push through is our mandatory trust accounts, because mm. as it stands right now, they're not mandatory. What What that will do is that would ensure that obviously the uh, the uh, travel agents and the like that were uh, abiding by the law that the money that was earmarked for a holiday would be going into 
the uh, trust accounts until they go to suppliers. And if they weren't, then if the money was uh, being spent by the uh, by the agent, they really uh, put themselves at great risk of uh, getting into trouble with the law. Now, lawyers require trust accounts, and so do real estate agents. Why don't travel agents, when they deal with large sums of money, it just makes no sense to me. That's a really interesting point because over here at the moment, uh, there is a consultation going on about the air tour operator's license. And this is essentially, if you are going to sell holidays, you have to be have to have this license. And it's all part of the package travel regulations that you have to uh, financially protect uh, the consumer's money. Well, you know, there's been collapses of companies and airlines uh, where money has disappeared, shall we say. And consumers have been uh, left um, high and dry. But this consultation is raising the prospect of, guess what, trust accounts. And uh, the other aspect of this uh, is they're also talking about bringing the airlines into this regulatory environment. And it's a bit difficult to see how it's going to go in Brexit Britain, uh, the quest for deregulation but as you can see just by that explanation adam you know we we've got similar things going on you know oceans and continents may divide us but we the consumer problem remains the same no matter where it is it it certainly is And, and another thing i'm not sure what the stance is over there at the moment on this frank but another thing that we're really pushing for when it comes to travel agents is transparency in terms of markups and the like uh, where uh, I'm not sure how does it work over there is the client of the uh, travel agent is that the uh, is that the provider um, it, it 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 depends whether you buy a package holiday or a DIY holiday um, so if you're buying a DIY holiday which means you're buying individual component parts and consciously doing so then you may be buying those parts from one person but actually you're making shall we say up to six individual contracts and so therefore each of the uh, the other parties of those contracts are who the consumer has to deal with rather than one focal point individually uh, but one of the this was a big issue in the consultation uh, in the European Union regarding the package travel directive, and that flew from about 2011 through to 2015, and I was very much in the centre of that. And it was identifying who was the principal, if you like, of uh, the contract that the consumer was making. And one of the arguments that I was making was that if consumers are actually going to book a holiday, they need to understand not just all the pricing issues um, and uh, markups, as you call it, um, uh, but also um, who is actually responsible for the delivery of the product. And there was this battle between so-called DIY holidays and package travel. And the industry was trying to Uh, uh, almost like reduce the relevance of a package holiday or the definition of a package holiday to bring in this DIY holiday. 
the argument that I made was um, just tell the consumers what they're buying and whether they are financially and also practically protected by uh, the principles of the of the different contracts. And the European Union was persuaded. And now consumers, when they book a holiday, have to be given written notices about all things to do with pricing, uh, about whether or not they've got a package holiday to the extent of their protection. So it's quite, um, it was quite a, a big win in many respects uh, for the arguments uh, that I was making at the time. And it has carried forward and has been to a greater extent beneficial uh, for consumers during the COVID crisis. And and I think this is clearly uh, where your deficits lay in Australia is the fact that you you have this unregulated market, which is what the DIY holiday market is all about. Um, and uh, there are no protections other than T's and C's and, and that puts consumers at a disadvantage. And believe you me, I'm sure Australian courts are the same. Uh, um, it's difficult for consumers to actually get a headway uh, in making the arguments that they need to make. Oh, absolutely. And look, a lot of the um, a lot of consumers have been bringing issues to the civil and administrative tribunals. But uh, at the end of the day, if they don't have the law behind them, mm. then they are, in the majority of situations, going to struggle. Yeah. So it's just, uh, and we're, we're looking at opening up the borders in, um, I think, December is the is the time that they're looking at at the moment. So it's something that has to be dealt with and dealt with fast. I mean, you've got, as you said earlier, you've got uh, obviously the package travel directive, which uh, something similar or the equivalent of would be sensational over here. You've also got EU 261 when it comes to flights. Yes. Uh, yes. Which I believe still applies. Is that correct? Yeah, it's uh, it's all part of uh, the carryover of uh, European Union laws into uh, the UK statute books. Uh, though I will say, I mean, uh, you know, you're the same as me. It's easy enough for the likes of me to find those laws. <clears throat> but currently, e uh, UK consumers would have a dickens of a job to actually find where those laws are. I know where they are. Um, but uh, as time goes on, uh, there is a very strong possibility, particularly with a very strong airline lobby, a very strong tour operator lobby, that um, some of those laws now sitting on the UK statute books are going to be watered down. And that's uh, actually quite a scary prospect for consumer rights uh, over here at the moment. I mean, I, I was just wondering, is, is, the, um, is the situation that you've got in Australia, is, that, is it a similar situation, say, for example, in New Zealand or in other parts of that region over there? Is that something not, you're aware of? I'm not across the exact laws in New Zealand. Um, I do. I don't. I don't believe that they've got uh, the protection that they they should. But for me to comment on it, I'd want to be a hundred percent confident. Yeah, I understand and I, 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 I am not. But what what I can tell you is that it is not just related to travel here. It's. Uh, I mean, I've been approached by. Uh, I've been approached by people who have been 
who had booked uh, who had booked weddings, for example, mm. and naturally the same principles applied, where they weren't necessarily where they weren't getting their money back because they'd booked it, they couldn't the wedding couldn't go ahead due to lockdowns and the like. And uh, they'd effectively uh, done their dough if they were the terms and conditions of the uh, of the wedding providers. That's an interesting point because it was one of the questions I was going to ask you, which was about, you know, not just travel, but, you know, is the same situation repeated in the purchase of other consumer products and services in Australia? I mean, just to give you uh, an example of how... Uh, consumer law changed whilst we were members of the European Union. Um, there was a consumer um, rights directive, uh, which meant that the member states then had to implement the directive into regulations. And we've now got uh, the Consumer Rights Act of um, uh, 2015. And uh, that provides extensive rights apart from travel, uh, package travel regulation, but it provides extensive rights for the purchase of goods, services, and digital content. So by the sounds of it, you don't have those uh, kind of protections for other products and services in Australia. It's, it's an interesting one because we're in situations outside of human control, as I said, <laughs> the protections here are very minimal. Uh, it's yeah, and it's really been brought to light over the pandemic. Um, it's really shown that um, just how vulnerable consumers are in uh, during times such as this. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 quite from where I sit, it's actually quite shocking to hear you know what, what appears to us over here as a dynamic society, um, the Australian dynamism that is uh, the Pacific Rim region, you know, to be so far behind by the sounds of it, and I say this with respect, but so far behind in basic consumer protections. It- 100%. You are, you are <laughs> spot on. We, uh, look, as, as I said, in, in these situations like the pandemic, we are well behind where we should be. And um, the customer the the customer has very very little that they can actually do unfortunately and um it really does it really does come down a lot of the time to the uh, to the specific company mm. that you're dealing with mm. i mean it's an interesting point i mean is it easy for australian consumers to pursue their complaints well you can pursue your complaints i mean you can You've got different. Uh, you, you've got the civil and administrative tribunals and the like that you can uh, that you can put them through, like NCAT in New South Wales and VCAT in Victoria. Uh, however, the outcomes are certainly not always uh, not always favourable. Uh, and then you've also got well consumer protection uh, consumer protection places, but once again, they follow the law as it is, and. Right. As I've, I have spoken to many a person that went through consumer protection and have been uh, most <laughs> they've been unsuccessful. Mm. They've uh, they've got nowhere with it. Okay, and and I mean, does it mean then that uh, Australian consumers really the only route for them to resolve complaints if they're having such difficulties is by taking 
the travel company to course. It is, and look, it is, and again, even if they do take the travel companies to court, a lot of the time, because of how weak the consumer protection is over here, yeah. if the company is not breaking the law, the amount of times that I've spoken to companies that the way that I most certainly look at it and the vast majority out there would is treating the customer in an extraordinarily unfair manner, uh, they say that they're following by, um, you know, they're following the uh, Australian laws and um, by the ACCC guidelines. And that, to me, is the scariest thing. Mm. That oh, I, I, being I, I, able I, I, to legally get away with it is just, uh, yeah. it's just not right, Frank. I, I love that word guidelines because guidelines are standards and uh, standards <laughs> are generally um Voluntary and they're not binding. Um, oh, yes, so I'm actually having this discussion yeah, with someone they're, tomorrow. They're, <laughs> they're supposed to just give an indication of the direction of travel, but they actually don't help man nor beast, as they say. Um, it's I mean, I mean, it's, in, yeah. <laughs> it's interesting hearing the difficulties there because in the last few years, uh, certainly since 2010, uh, when the uh, Conservative Party got into power here. There's been a push to um, deregulate, and it's going to pick up a pace uh, from now on, I guess. Uh, but one of the things that um, uh, caused me concern over the last uh, sort of six, seven years has been the way in which uh, the government has deconstructed an easier access uh, to the courts by consumers. So, um, for example, now, if you've got a contractual uh, dispute, you have to, if it's up to the value of £10,000, you have to take it before the small claims court. Now, the problem with the small claims court is you can't get your legal costs back. Um, you are uh, stuck with uh, some very, very small uh, fixed costs uh, and you are also stuck with the sometimes oversimplification of um, a claim. I've seen this in small claims court claims. I've actually helped uh, some people pro bono and I've seen the reaction of judges the other side of the table to how they think a case should go, uh, when in fact it requires a little bit more attention to the detail. And I think that's putting consumers here in the UK at a severe disadvantage because it's now difficult for them to actually find what used to be either a free or reasonably priced legal assistance in order to deal with not insubstantial problems, and you know, coming back to the beginning of our chat here, is the fact that not all consumers are the same. You know, there are plenty of vulnerable consumers in the middle of all this, but yet the UK government seems to believe that um, you know that this is the best way to handle. Um, the raft of uh, consumer complaints and you know we're probably going to see more of the same in terms of uh, uh, screwing down access to um, civil justice and is is by the sounds of it that's kind of what 
is going on in Australia. I mean, it, do Australians or can Australians gain um, access to free or reasonable priced legal assistance uh, to deal with? Oh, the like, like I think in all in all countries, you've got legal you've got legal aid and the like, and then as I mentioned, you've got the uh, you've got the uh, the the places that are meant to be helping the consumers. Uh, for the consumer protection and the like, but outside of that, there are there are a lot of people that um, certainly uh, cannot access and cannot afford to pay the mm. big bucks for lawyers. Um, yeah. And what, what I wanted to mention to you as well, just on your last point, if I can go back for a second, Frank, yeah, sure. When yeah. we were talking about the uh, when we were talking about the uh, best practice guides, I actually I uh, was dealing with a big company. Uh, not too long ago, and uh, I was having a chat to them, and I said, "Hang on a second, you're going against the uh, the uh, the uh, best practice guide," and their exact words were, "It's just a best practice guide," which really sums it up. The fact that, as you rightfully said, it is not legally binding. It really, to me, does not mean too much unless there are sanctions unless there are sanctions put in place it means very little yeah i i I, i've been involved in standards work on uh, cabinet quality since 2006 7 and uh quite heavily involved in drafting up standards and i can assure you um that work is very clear it is voluntary non-binding but you wouldn't believe the battles that go on uh, in order to try and water down the obligations um, upon an industry. But equally, um, you know, you see these codes of conduct uh, for travel trade bodies or perhaps uh, travel companies themselves. Um, even the UK government put out during the end of last year, beginning of this year, I think, actually, a holidaymakers charter which frankly wasn't worth the paper it was written on. Um, it didn't actually uh, declare any rights or obligations within the Charter from the UK government. It was, uh, as I've been arguing over here, it is an indication of uh, things to come about how they see um, uh, consumers being guided by guidance, standards, uh, codes, and stuff like that in order to deliver what I refer to as light-touch regulation. And by the sense yes. of it, Adam, Australian consumers are gifted uh, with uh, light-touch regulation. Um, it's, um, it, it, it is, from where I sit listening to you, it only seeks to confirm my worst fears, as it were, that I've been uttering since 2016 um, about the future of consumer rights here in the UK. But from your perspective, you know, what, what do you think your final comments would be to UK consumers and their consumer rights? This is what deregulation looks like, uh, and when you when you when you've got a deregulated environment, and you uh, the consumers really, and this is Australia is uh, proof of it. Got very 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 
very little recourse and very little uh, protection in place uh, to uh, to to uh, support you in your quest for a refund. So I would strongly recommend against it in the UK. Uh, I think that they should use Australia as an example and see that it is, uh, well, to me, nothing short of a disaster. It's, it, uh, I have to say, uh, listening to the detail of what you and indeed your fellow Australian citizens are dealing with, I mean, it's it's not just a deficit in law, but it's actually a political deficit that um, cannot see <laughs> uh, the logic of creating a good regulatory environment which actually increases standards, not... Uh, doesn't uh, you know sort of affect or implode on a business it actually increases standards as has been demonstrated by uh, the sale of holidays and uh, the kind of health and safety issues right the way through to the way uh, the people's money is being handled and and that seems to be sadly missing over there in Australia I don't know if the trade deal that um, uh, this government has uh, gloriously announced over here um, uh, between the UK and Australia. I don't think the trade deal touches on um, consumer rights or anything like that. So I don't know if you know any better, Adam. I don't know. I, I don't know any better. But what I, I don't know too much about that, Frank. But what I will what I will say to you and uh, to your listeners is that. Even though I know there are still a lot of battles, and I read about them uh, regularly, I keep I keep up to date with what's going on with these issues in the UK. I know there are a lot of battles, uh, and there's even further protection that consumers want and should have in place. Uh, it is it would be a dream for us to have protections <laughs> like you do over there. <laughs> well, um, I, I sincerely hope uh, Australia <clears throat> and your your fellow citizens um, do uh, begin to enjoy, and it seems that COVID may well be the catalyst that has started the, the broader conversation off. I, I certainly wouldn't wish in Australia the potential nightmare that's developing over here on consumer rights, uh, because that's that's uh, going back to the future, as they say. But um, Adam, uh, I would like to thank you very much for your time this morning. Um, it's greatly appreciated, and I'm sure uh, that many of those listening to this podcast uh, will uh, take heed of what you're saying and uh, hopefully uh, will uh, be politically active here in the UK in terms of uh, uh, <clears throat> ensuring that their consumer rights are not going to be trashed. Uh, so, Adam, thanks once again. Absolute pleasure, Frank. And that was Adam Gleeser and uh, very uh, pertinent uh, points that have been raised uh, for UK consumers. And uh, that is it for this podcast. Until the next time, take care. Da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da